this morning, I, I want to I wanna call your attention to some, I guess in some ways, a reality check in terms of where we are and what's going on in the world around us. You see, um, there's this passage of Scripture that I've read either this passage or its, uh, its partner passage, if you would, in the book of Galatians uh, for a number of years. And, and as, as I've read that passage, as I've, as I've listened to that passage, as I've preached that passage, as I've had other pastors preach that passage, I, I think there's a, a tendency in us to, to disassociate the concept from the reality. Uh, look with me, if you would, up on the screen, because here, here it is from Colossians, okay? Paul's writing to this church in Colossae that we've been talking about the last few weeks. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. In, in the letter to the church in Galatia, Paul also talks there and adds a few things to it where he talks about there's neither male nor female. And, and, he, and he's basically holding out this standard for where the church should be. And I've heard it all of my life growing up in the church. My father was a pastor in the church of God where, where our primary teaching focus is on the unity of all the believers. And yet, and yet even though I've heard it, and even though I've, I've listened to it, even though I've studied it and translated it, there are times, quite honestly, when I wonder if we will ever, ever get there. And the last month has been one of those times. Because you see, we live in, in probably, if not the most, one of the most polarized times in the history of humanity. The politicization of the church, the division among people, the, the, the sense that the culture has that, that, that Christians are toxic to culture, that we, we need to be canceled rather than embraced. And it doesn't help when you get a month like the last month where the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, the largest evangelical denomination in this country, 47,000 plus churches, 14 million people, and their executive team releases a 288-page report detailing 15 to 20 years of hiding sexual abuse and sexual predators who were pastors in that church. Or when Hillsong, a global church originating in Australia, when the revelations come out that the founding pastor, father of the current pastor, was not only guilty of pedophilia, but that the church paid someone money not to tell the story. And now they're in court in Australia for violating the laws of the land. Or even closer to home here in Warsaw, Indiana, where just a couple of weeks ago, a pastor stood to talk to his congregation and at the end of a service, a service where they had actually prayed a prayer of salvation for anyone who'd like to, to know Jesus Christ. And the pastor, as some of us have been in services like this, the pastor asked everyone in the room to pray the prayer out loud, to be forgiven of their sins, and then asked them to be seated and confess to having had an affair some 20 years ago, saying that it was a short duration, but he had confessed and his family knew and he would be forgiven. And then the lady with whom he had had the affair took the microphone, unbeknownst 
to him that she would do that and began to tell the congregation and him that he had not told the entire truth that it happened 27 years ago and she was the woman and she was 16 years old when her pastor had an affair with her. It's not easy to be a Christian in a world like that. It's not easy to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ and say to people, you know what? In Christ, all in all, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor Scythian nor male nor female. We should all just be together in a happy family. <laughs> when the world is looking at us and going, you people are toxic. You're not helping. You're, you're hurting. You're infighting. Your, your preferences taking, taking precedent over the truth. Your, your own sins being hidden up. The, the, the fact of the matter is, my friends, there has never been a time in the history of this country when, when holiness needed to be more reflective of God and less reflective of people than it is right now. And, and yet, when we read Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, and when we when we see what he's trying to say to this group of people he had never met, who, who had been told about Jesus by, by others who had heard Paul in Ephesus and taken the message of the gospel of Jesus back into their town, and they had confessed their sins, and they had bowed the knee, and they had given their life to Jesus, and, and now someone was coming along trying to tell them another way to do it, another way to to follow that, that, that it wasn't enough to accept Jesus and let Jesus be in control of their life, but, the, but that they, they needed to do some more things in order to be really right with God. Perhaps, perhaps the only way we get to the place where we understand this statement that in the body of Christ, there is not the division that is in the world and the polarization that is in the world is to come to the place where we are having a, a reality check about what it really means to follow Jesus Christ, about what it really means to be reconciled to God, to, to know that our sins separated us from God and that when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected on the third day and did that so that we could follow in that path of resurrection and reconciliation, that, that he did that so that it wouldn't just be for you and me, but it would be for everyone that we would meet so that we could step into a world that looks at us as toxic and say to them, no, no, we're, we're not toxic. Yeah, I, I know you're seeing the headlines, you're, you're watching the documentaries on your, on your television, you're, you're streaming the reports, but, but, but can I tell you, there are people, there are actually people where this is true, that there's not Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, male, female, but all in all, in Christ. So this morning, I, I want to take a deep dive into this, into this book called Colossians. I want to back up from Colossians 3.11 and find out what it was that caused Paul to be able to make this kind of statement because I think in the process, we're going to learn what it means to check in with the actual reality rather than the virtual reality that we've created as an, alternate re an alternative reality for ourselves. Because you see when we look at what Paul was really saying to the church at Colossae, the same thing applies in the 21st century. The same thing applies in our life right now. 
The first thing he said to them was this. People who've been reconciled to God, people who become reconcilers for God, are people who seek substance, not shadows. They, they, they seek the substance of what's going on. My, my nephew uh, owns a, a, a baseball sports academy in North Alabama. It's a place where, where kids can come and learn. My, my nephew was a, a, a Division I college baseball player in the Southeastern Conference, and he went back home and started this, this, um, this sports academy. And kids come in, and they, and they learn how to throw a ball and field a ball and hit a ball and play baseball, and that's a big thing. My brother and I were talking about not long ago. I said, so how's, how's he doing with your son with this new business venture? He said, Kerry, it's amazing how many parents are willing to pay money so their children do not embarrass them in Little League. I said, are you kidding me? He goes, No. Rather than let the kids be kids, they're going to take them every day and let them learn. Just, just, it's not about the kid ever playing college ball. It's not about the kid ever playing professionally. It's about the kid not embarrassing mom and dad. And in, the, in that world right now, and in your world, have, have any of you tried the virtual reality? How many of you, you the, the, now, if you're a gamer, I'm not going to down you today. That's not, that's not what I'm here to do. But, but what I'm telling you is that to me, in my world, I look at anything, if you're putting a set, of, a set of goggles on and you're using the physical activity of hitting a baseball or hitting a tennis racket or, 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 or doing the, the athletic event and you're physically doing it or bowling or whatever it is, that's a lot different than the actual thing. You can be really good at Madden and not be very good playing football. You can be really good at your video game and not be really good at the actual athletic event. And so we've created this alternative universe, this alternative reality. We call it virtual. But the fact of the matter is that the people who are the real reconcilers in the world, the people who are able to see the truth of who Jesus Christ is, those people, those people are people who know the reality of what Jesus has done in their life. And they seek substance not shadows. Here's the way Paul puts it. Look, look with me today. If you've got a Bible, follow along with me. Check me on this. If you've got it on your digital device or if you just want to read it with us on the screen. But listen to what Paul's saying to this group of people. They're being led astray by a heretic, by someone who's saying knowing Jesus isn't enough. There has to be more. Listen to what he says. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on an asceticism, a, a kind of a super spiritualization, a, a, a way of isolating yourself and worship of angels going on in detail about their visions, puffed up without reason by their sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. So what Paul is saying to this church in Colossae, to these people who, who were being led astray by a culture that was, quite honestly, adding things to the real Christian faith, adding things to the gospel, he says, listen, you, you've got to know these things are but a shadow. The things that so many people are, are going after, 
the things that so many people are calling religious, the, the, the concept, he's going, look, don't, don't be strayed. Don't, don't, don't be dissuaded. Don't, don't be taken away by this, by this process of someone telling you that there's something more you need to be spiritual than to, than to follow Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, when they asked Jesus, what does it mean to really be a follower of God? What does it really mean to have eternal life? He said, listen, what I want you to know is this. If you love God, and by the way, I'm his son, so if you love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, with your entire being, See, that's the gospel. The gospel is about substance. It's not about shadow. It's about reality, not about virtual reality. It's about what's really going on in your life. Here's the actual truth, friend. You are a sinner. Without Jesus Christ, you are separated from God. Without Jesus Christ, even though you were made in the image of God, even though you are beautiful, even though you are his daughter, you are his son, even though you were made that way, because of your human failings, you have been separated by him. And if you are that unbelievably rare person who wants to tell everybody, you've never made a mistake, and everything in your world is perfect, and you've never sinned against God and against others. Can I tell you, first of all, you're lying. Secondly, you misunderstand the fallenness of creation. You see, the substance is that all of us are born with a proclivity, with a tendency, with a, a way of living that's in rebellion. And that even though we were made in the image of God, we have this thing inside of us that is selfish and it wants our own way. And what, what Paul is saying to the church in Colossae is that all of these religious things, the visions, the, the words of knowledge, the, the pieces of, of experience, the puffed upness about how spiritual you are, the asceticism where you're going to fast for this long and you're going to do all of these things. No, listen, those are not bad in themselves. It's just they're, they're just supplemental to the reality. And when you take what is supplemental to the reality and you begin to make it the reality, then you end up following the shadow, not the substance. And what Paul is saying to them, and I would say he's saying to us, is that the first step in getting to the place where in Christ we are all in all, in Christ where there's no Greek or Jew or, or Scythian or barbarian or, or slave or free or male or female. It's about understanding what it means to live in reality of who we are, acknowledge it, and embrace the substance that God himself loves us in spite of our failure. And when we do that, when, when we begin to understand that he's doing that for us, then, then we become people who can speak into the, into the lie of the culture, speak into the, 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 the shadow that appears to be religious, but is simply a self-made religion. Because you see, when we seek substance instead of shadow, when we seek truth instead of our preferences, when we seek God instead of our created gods, our own idols, when we, when we seek the substance instead of the shadows, then suddenly we become people who value our relationship with Jesus over regulations 
created by humans. I, 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 want you to, I want you to hear that for just a minute. When you take the virtual reality glasses off and you see the reality of the world around you, when you embrace the reality that you're to seek the substance of God rather than the shadow of religiosity, then you suddenly become someone who values this relationship with Jesus over the regulations with humans. And unfortunately, there are a lot of us calling ourselves Christians today who actually value relationships with people over the relationship we have with Jesus. And there are some of us who actually value the human regulations more than we value our relationship with God. Because I need you to know, every once in a while I, I run into people who say, I've been in the church all my life. That's impossible. I'm telling you that as a preacher's kid who was taken to church within a week of his birth date and has been in the church his entire life. But I can't be in the church my entire life if the only way I can get in the church is to be born again through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can attend a gathering, you can attend a building, you can go to a concert, you can go to a, a, a crusade, you can, you can do all the churchy things, but if you don't know Jesus, you're not in the church. So it's impossible to say, I've been in a church my whole life. No, you haven't. You just think you have. Because you're valuing the human regulations more than you're valuing a relationship with Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, if that's what you're doing, you, you can't be reconciled to God until you bow the knee and seek the substance of Jesus. Here's the way Paul put it to these people. If with Christ, you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Guys, that's huge. That phrase, they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. For those of you who are psychologists or psychiatrists or counselors, for those of you who took a psychology class, here's what Paul's saying. Behavior modification will not change your soul. Changing your behaviors will not change who you really are. Only Jesus can change who you really are. Only the substance of Jesus internally changing you from rebellion the follower of Jesus can change you. And all the regulations that you create, all the rules, all of them end up becoming a barrier rather than a breath of the air of God. Years ago, when I was pastoring in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I, I saw a beautiful example of that. I, I, when I married my wife, she's from St. Louis, and when I married into her family, her her mother discovered that, in fact, they introduced me to something called IBC root beer. 
I love IBC root beer. And when I was much younger and didn't have to worry about calories and carbs and all that stuff, all right, IBC root beer was great. I'd, I'd, whenever I'd go home to St. Louis, my mother-in-law would, would have IBC root beer in, I mean, because you couldn't buy it. And this is, this, this is news for those of you who are, who are younger, but at one point you couldn't buy IBC root beer east of the Mississippi River. I'm not sure why it was. It was a distribution thing, a conflict with some other root beer company. I got no idea. I just know that you couldn't buy it. And I lived in Chattanooga, which is east of the Mississippi. St. Louis is the, was the borderline because IBC was available there. And so every time I'd go home, there'd be like, you know, two six packs of, I'm gonna be there two days. There'd be like six packs of IBC in the refrigerator. For The other thing she made me was Buckeyes, all right? Peanut butter, chocolate, love that. My mother-in-law was so excited that I married her daughter <laughs> that she gave me all the food I wanted anytime I came home. And I was young and dumb and ate it all, okay? I mean, and, that, and that, that's what I did. And, and, and I loved that stuff. And, and, and one day while I was pastoring in Chattanooga, I, I got a call from a friend who said, hey, you know that little country store just down from the church? See, our church was located in a little community of Chattanooga called East Ridge. The property line was the state line road. It was the state line between Tennessee and Georgia. One side of the road was Georgia, the other side of the road was Tennessee. If you wrecked a car, if you were in a car accident with two cars and one vehicle ended up in one ditch and the other one ended up in the other ditch, they had to call the state patrol from both states, okay? I mean, you had to have get police from Georgia, police from Tennessee, because it was the state line road. And this little grocery store was right on the state line. And somehow, someway, they figured out a way to get IBC. I think they bootlegged it in, all right? And I got a call from a friend who knew how much I loved it and said, hey, they've got IBC root beer over here if you want to go. And so I, I walked from the church office down to the little country store. And I bought, I was young, I bought a health food lunch, ding-dongs and root beer, all right? And, and got, you know, got some hostess ding-dongs, and, and they put them in the bag, and then they put the root beer in the bag. And for those of you who know, for those of you who don't, let me tell you, IBC comes in a brown bottle that looks just like a beer bottle. And they put it in a brown paper bag with my ding-dongs. And so I grabbed the brown paper bag around the long neck of the IBC root beer, and, and I headed back over to the church office to enjoy my health food, all right? And I walked in the church office, and my secretary was a, a really intelligent young woman whose husband was a seminary student at Tennessee Temple University. Now, if you know anything about, about schools, Tennessee Temple University was, and still is, an independent Baptist, very conservative. Women were not allowed to wear, dre or were not allowed to wear slacks. Um, they, they had to wear dresses all the time. Uh, guys and, and girls who were in college had to get permission from a faculty member or an administrator to date. Uh, they weren't allowed to hold hands in public. It was a very conservative school. But she was a very good secretary. And I walked through the door, said, hey, how you doing? Went into my office. Didn't think a thing about it. Five minutes later, the, there's a knock on the door. It opens. My secretary walks in and throws a letter on my desk. I mean, literally, the stationery, throws it on my desk. This is my resignation. I said, you're resigning? What do you mean? You're, qu you're quitting? Why, why are you quitting? I'm not being in any church where the pastor brings a bottle of beer and a brown paper bag into the building. And I pulled out, I said, it's root beer. 
She said, oh, sorry, grabbed it and walked out of the room, right? I'm I'm not quitting. Now, why would I tell you a silly story like that? Well, I would tell you that story not to say to those of you who drink, oh, go ahead and drink, because I will tell you that in all the reports I've read from Hillsong and Willow Creek and the Southern Baptist Convention, the use of alcohol by pastors has contributed to the sexual harassment they've committed because they drank more than they should have drunk. And I would tell you that when anything lowers your inhibitions, when anything, I'm not, I'm not here to reinforce the regulations. I'm here to tell you the regulations go both ways. Any human self-made regulation that takes you away from your relationship with Jesus that puts you in a vulnerable position. It's not, it's not healthy for you. And what I'm trying to tell you is that being a reconciler to people involves facing the substance, not the shadow. It, 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 involves, it involves valuing your relationship with Jesus more than the regulations of people. And more than, this is the hardest one for a lot of you, particularly those of you who are pleasers, who want everybody to like you. But the, but the fact is, if you're going to be a reconciler, if you're going to get to that place where in Christ he is all in all, where there's neither Greek nor Jew and all of that stuff that Paul talked about, if you're going to get there, you have to start with, with seeking the substance, but you also have to value your relationship with Jesus more than you value your, this is hard for some of you, more than you value the relationships other people have and the, the ideas they have about you. You have to be so committed to the substance, so committed to the truth of the gospel, so committed to what Jesus is doing in your life that that if it comes to it, if it comes to that place where you have to choose between, between a friend and Jesus, choose Jesus because he will teach you how to reconcile with your friend. Remember, it was Jesus who told Peter, you're gonna deny me three times before the cock crows. It was Jesus when Peter denied him three times before the rooster crowed who turned and looked at him, the scriptures tell us. And by the way, it was Jesus who told the women at the empty tomb, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm alive. And it was Jesus who found Peter and some of the other disciples out fishing instead of following their calling, who said to them, hey, Peter, do you love me more than this? You see, my friends, when you seek the substance rather than the shadow, when you value your relationship with Jesus more than the human regulations that get created, you can can see what God is doing when he says, look, you don't need a self-made religion. You don't need this kind of human creation and puffed up visions of yourself and and these things that are supposed to be more spiritual than other people. No, No, what you need is Jesus in your life. When you get Jesus in your life, then his Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. And the work of the Holy Spirit isn't all of this stuff that other people have put on it and said, hey, this is what it is. No, no, it's about Jesus. That's what Paul's saying to the church in Colossae. Look, you've got some guy, he's mixed together some Judaism, he's mixed together some paganism, he's mixed together some stuff, but what you need is you need Jesus. Years ago, I was, 
I was, in fact, I looked over and saw Larry and Leanne Sellers. Larry, that first time we were at Abao and I was teaching, and I was teaching the pastors there about put, preparing messages to share with their people. And, and I gave them, as a part of the class, I, I asked them to get in groups of three and, and put together a sermon from a text. They could find any text they wanted, put the sermon together, and I'm going around, and, and this one group of guys, they've, they, they're, they're just all in and huddled up, and they're, they're really going to town on, on this. And I, I said, said, what are you going to preach? And they said, we're going to preach where Joshua says to the people of Israel, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I said, great, when are you going to preach it? They said, Easter. I went, Easter? No, no, that's a Father's Day sermon. That's what I've always heard. It's always a plaque, right? You know, some of you have got it in your houses. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's what you preach on Father's Day. So the guys will all say, yeah, let's go do it. I'm like, Easter? What do you mean Easter? To which one of them looked at me and said, Pastor, I've been invited to preach in a village where everyone has an animistic religious system. They all have little idols in their houses and their huts, and, and they worship those, and they've asked me to come in and speak for Jesus on Easter Sunday morning to the entire village, and I'm trying to figure out what it is that God wants me to say to them, and here's what he wants me to say. He wants me to say, choose you this day whom you'll serve. I'll be honest with you. I, 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 I looked at and said, that may be the best exegesis, the best mean, drawing of meaning out of that passage I've ever heard in my life. And I will never again preach that on Father's Day, <laughs> ever. You see, when you seek the substance and you value the relationship with Jesus, then what happens is God gives you a new view of the world and reconciling people pursue eternal things more than they do the temporary things that are around us. See, your, your preferences on things are temporary. Because someday you're going to be in heaven. And you're going to be in the very presence of God. And suddenly, some of the things you thought were life and death are not going to matter to you anymore. Someday, when you're in heaven as a follower of Jesus... Some of the things that, that you were willing to, to argue for and fight for, <laughs> they're just going to fade away. Because what really matters is what's eternal. And by the way, you know what's eternal? Jesus, his people, and his word. You see, when you look at it, everything else goes away. In fact, in one place, Paul calls it wood, hay, and stubble. It just goes away. But in Colossians, he says it like this. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you, will, you also will appear with him in glory. So for now, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And look at this list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, which the, the translation of that word is, is the passion that is self-centered. It's the passion of your own human flesh. Evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
in these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You see, what, what Paul's saying is when, when you get to that place where you value that relationship with Jesus because you've been seeking the substance instead of the shadow, when you get to that place where we're valuing the relationship with Jesus more than the human regulations and creations of a religious system, then now suddenly you begin to pursue Jesus. You begin to pursue the things that are going to last forever. You become focused on what is eternal not on what is temporary. It's interesting to me that the Apostle Paul wrote most of his letters in the New Testament to correct things that were inappropriate in the life of the church. Most of the time, the New Testament that you read, those Pauline epistles, are written to correct a misunderstanding in the life of the church. And in one of those, his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul talks about a misunderstanding about the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table. And he says, you know what? What I, I need you to understand is that what I'm teaching you is what I received from the disciples who were there that night. How Jesus, on the night before he died, took the Passover meal and the elements that they had celebrated their whole life. And to this room full of men and women who were, who were from all kinds of different backgrounds. I mean, think about it. You had tax collectors. You had fishermen. You had, you, you, you had women who had bad reputations. You, you had Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus who'd been raised from the dead. You, you had people from the north part of the country and the south part of the country. You had all kinds of diversity in that room. And, and Jesus looked at all of them in the midst of their diversity and he said, you know what? What I need you to do is I need you to know that this bread, the bread is no longer about the unleavened bread that was prepared by the people of Israel for the time in the desert. Uh, no, no, that, that, that bread... Now, it's a reminder to you of my body. It's a statement that says the God of the universe who spoke everything into existence, he, he now has come in the flesh. And he's been tempted in every way as you've been tempted. But he didn't sin. So every time you eat this bread, I want you to remember that the God of the universe loves you enough to come to you. And then he took the cup of redemption and he said, every time you drink this cup, I don't want you to remember the blood on the doorpost in Egypt. I, instead, I want you to remember the blood on the foot of the cross. Because the blood at the foot of the cross is the blood that saves you from your sins. It's the blood that reconciles you to God. It's the blood that demonstrates the love and grace and mercy that the God of the universe has for you. So every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, I want you to remember 
what I've done for you. If you're online with us this morning or watching us later on demand, I, I know that Pastor Jason and the team have already encouraged you to, to find bread and cup where you are. And for those of you on campus, I, I want to encourage you. Some of you have already, I've watched you, you've already started leaning over and finding, but at the, at the base of your chair, at the leg of your chair, there's a, there's a little packet with bread and cup. And we're going to sing a song this morning. And as we sing the song, I'm going to encourage you to make this a time where you, where you can ask yourself the question, am I seeking the substance, the reality, or am I living in a virtual reality? Am I, am I someone who values my relationship with Jesus more than the, the human regulations, whatever those might be? Am I someone who's willing to pursue the eternal things of Christ rather than the temporary things of the world? And here's what I'm going to invite you to do. If you'd like to come and pray, these altars are back at the front of the room. During the COVID pandemic, we had to kind of spread them out more. We've now brought them to their normal resting place for us. And I'm going to invite you from wherever you are, if you're on campus, as we sing, I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to come, pray, spend some time at one of these four altars, maybe you and a group of friends, or maybe you by yourself. You just want to come and say, hey, God, listen, I really, really need you to help me because the world is so fragmented and so polarized. I really want to, I want to seek you. If you want to do that while we sing, then you can come to these altars. Or if you want to stay in your seat, you can do that. But what I am going to ask you to do, those of you on campus, once you've, once you've prayed for your bread and your cup and once you've taken the bread and the cup just from wherever you are I'm going to ask you to stand and join us in singing this song but if you'd like to these altars are open in fact I'm going to I'm going to go there myself right now and I want to invite you to feel free to do that if that's what you want God to do in your life.